Welcome to the Retail Exchange Podcast, in association with Retail Focus Magazine. Brought to you by Visual Thinking, inspiring retail performance. Hello, I'm Ben Bland. Welcome to this Retail Exchange Podcast on seasonal promotions and how to make them a success. From Christmas to New Year, Easter to Halloween, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, end of season, mid-season, and more recently, the likes of Black Friday. It can seem hard to find a time of year when there isn't actually a seasonal promotion or discount. But is the calendar becoming simply too crowded to the point where those sales lose their impact? In this podcast, we'll also look at whether shoppers are now desensitized to the discounts, And what more could retailers do to keep things fresh, exciting and new in store? With me to discuss all of these things are Tom Philipson from Your Studio, Mo Cremat from Scene Displays and Simon Millington of Millington Associates. Simon, if we go with this idea that some shoppers are becoming desensitised to seasonal promotions and sales because there are just so many of them, how do retailers combat that? You know, people are physical beings. They, you know, they, they have desires. You know, they, they, they. You know, we we all like things that are exclusive that, that maybe I've got, someone else hasn't got. And I think, you know, retailers for me, it's it's engaging in that story. It's in great, engaging in that theatre, which is so important. Um, and you know, when you look at a brand like Supreme, which is a small skates brand, but they're doing limited collections, and they they they, they, they things called drops, right? But they drop the product. The kids go online they they find out what's going on it's so quick they go in they buy it they resell it you know it's it's really really inspiring that it reminds me of like the old rave scene like phone up this number go to a field you know who'd have thought that could exist again really with the internet as it is but um yeah so i think i think there's something in that kind of that nature that that retailers need to engage with again it's a bit more um uh, uh, dare, dare I say a bit creating more, excitement? Yeah, yeah, like a bit more on, a bit more texture, a bit more honest, a bit more like yeah, that's that's really cool. That you know, I think personally, Tom. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, I think that excitement and creating a buzz around a sale rather than it just being oh well, at this time of year we have a sale, so we have a sale. Um, I think some of the, uh, you know the, some of the sports brands they're they're the ones who are doing really clever ways of doing sales. Nike do the if you run on Sunday. You get uh, promotional offers on a Sunday, so they understand that their customer, um, you know, they're outdoors, they're out doing stuff, being physical. They don't want to have to, you know, spend their weekend going to a shop and you know wrestling someone for the latest sports top. They want all year round little special offers for being loyal customers, and I think that's where where we're going to solve or where it's going to become. Um, you know, the next generation of sales. Mo? I totally agree. I think um, it's almost uh, this term we're using from a seasonal or promotional perspective is actually becoming redundant. I think brands need to look at all the culturally relevant events going on in the year. Essentially, sales are actually byproducts of the stories they put out. Um, and if you're if you're connecting with your audience in a way that is relevant to them, um, say for example, in Supreme's case, they, they they've created this following, uh, this community that's almost tribal in that sense. And where that goes next is actually quite interesting because they keep collaborating with more brands and it opens more markets and demographics more exposure. Are there any examples any of you have seen where in this rather crowded calendar there are good examples of retailers cutting through, whether it's with a good campaign or a good in-store experience? Tom? 
Um, I think this is a, a great example of a, um, a brand really getting it right and and looking at the the calendar. It's a US brand, outerwear brand called Ray, and they did a, a Black Friday campaign. They really got to understand their customer, and they thought, I don't want my customers coming in shops on a bank holiday. Um, you know, wear an outerwear brand. We want them walking. So they put together an amazing campaign, which was called Opt Outside. It was hashtag Opt Outside, um, and they. Uh, created all these maps for their customers to go walking on. They gave suggestions of where they should take their family and things like that. Um, and they closed their shops for Black Friday. And they their CEO said, opt outside. We don't want our customers in the shops, so we want you going out. And the, the amount of social media imprint, the amount of like uh, connections they had with the customer, brand loyalty they got from that um, was amazing. It was a really brave thing to do. And they, they saw... Um, uh, no uh, financial decrease in their turnover from it, but they saw, you know, a, a increase in uh, customer loyalty. So I think that's a really great example of where someone's just thought, I understand my customer, and I'm bucking the trend, and I'm not going to stick to this rigid calendar. No, um, I, I think kind of good examples are probably ones where, um, again, it's where brands not only kind of understand their ethos, their kind of direction, and kind of stay consistent with it, but it's also ones that know that why their consumers are connecting with them um, and using those reasons to start bringing in the right times and events in the year to actually um, to hold different promotions or events with them. I think um, Cause is a really great example of someone who quite early um, broke away from, I suppose, a typical retail perspective where they started becoming one of the only retail brands that took part in Milan Design Week, for example. Um, and it's something that has now everyone everyone's following suite. Um, and it's purely because, you know, as a brand, they find architecture and design one of their biggest influencers. Um, and their consumers are kind of very well in tuned with that type of style. And so when you create events that you know, relevant to your um, to your followings when you kind of really hit home. And essentially, that's where you're driving product sales. Tom, you touched on something there, Black Friday, a relatively new phenomenon. I mean, Christmas promotions, New Year promotions, uh, Boxing Day promotions, Easter, Halloween, those have been around as long as well, Simon's been in the industry, if you forgive me for uh, using that as a reference point. Simon. <laughs> Black Friday, a relatively new phenomenon. Um, but it almost has come full circle because Amazon, I think, introduced it to the UK in 2010. Asda, I think, was one of the first in-store retailers to, to, to use it as well. And now we found retailers actually opting out of it. What do you think went wrong? Uh, I, I think the customer rebelled against it um, and uh, just saw through that it was another... Um, sort of way for people to get panicked and frenzy and think, oh my God, I need to get this deal. Um, so I think the the customers sort of uh, steered that backtrack. I think it's the, the customer rebelling and everyone realizing that actually it looks a bit superficial and it is just to, uh, you know, people to start buying more stuff that they don't need. I mean, it's a very American, it's a very American sort of concept. I mean, in the US, they engage in that fully, the idea of a bargain, consumption, spending. Like, I also think the press didn't really engage with it. It got a lot of bad press. You got these images of people sort of fighting and grappling over a washing machine or wherever it was in Dixon. So, you know, I, it just didn't, feel, I guess it didn't, didn't feel very British, really. It was like, it was like I guess there's a sense that maybe it was a, potentially perceived a bit vulgar I don't know really mm. I mean I just I, I, I think it had I think the fact that it came from the US possibly 
Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I think a retailer probably sitting here could answer that question. I wonder whether it ties into the point that Mo made earlier about uh, promotions needing to latch onto a narrative or an event that people feel, I suppose, an emotional connection with. Yeah, I, th- I mean, essentially, Black Friday is pretty much the opposite of what every retailer re- essentially wants to do mm, inside a space. Yeah. Um, you, you, you try to avoid the whole idea of sales because people are there most of the time to actually for an experience and to get to know the brand more. Um, and so it has huge negative connotations attached to it. Um, and a very good thing that we are moving away from it, hopefully. I think as well, there's, uh, in the US, they've really sort of uh, backtracked with uh, that as well. And they've sort of, a lot of retailers have started to see it as a bit of a negative thing. Um, uh, I read a stat that the nine out of 10 Americans say they don't plan to spend any of their holiday hunting for bargains, uh, which was a, um, a bit of research done. Nine by out Con- of 10? Nine out of 10. Uh, Connecticut University did a study. And they also said that, um, that 46% uh, of customers um, disapproved of uh, the shops being doing the sales on on Black Friday, which I think is a is a big backtrack and uh, you know from from what it was where people loved a bargain and loved buying stuff and getting into stores, but actually, you know, you can do that online. You don't need the panic of of going to store. We've spoken quite a bit about the overcrowded calendar of existing seasonal promotions and good examples and bad examples of where retailers are making the most of it. If I were a retailer coming to you three as a panel of experts and saying, I want to create a new seasonal promotional event that people will associate with my brand, with my company. When should I do it? And what should it be in the year? Tom. I think retailers are starting to think, okay, what, at what point in the calendar can I connect with the customer in a really positive way? Um, and looking at uh, different things, like Mo mentioned, um, with Milan Design Week, where we go every year as a studio, we take the team, we take retailers and do tours around Milan because there are you know, such a show of creativity and that brands are going out to meet their customer and actually connecting with their customer out there. So Nike was out there, Cos was out there, Ikea, they all do big installations. Um, I think as well, the um, connection with Pride, um, the, uh, there was almost like a, a, a pride uh, wash on social media, which was amazing. And brands really sort of uh, picking up on pride as a, a time in the calendar where they can really connect with the customer and show that they have, uh, you know, hidden depths. I think Tesco's was a, a really good example. They did do some quite cool stuff where they did pre-Pride events. They had uh, London Gay Men's Choir come and sing at some of their central London stores, pop-up bars, selling rainbow cocktails, and and just being a bit more playful and fun with it and having that sort of, you know, creative connection with the customer. Although there has to be a, a bit of treading carefully because I yes. saw some backlash where people were seeing companies and, and stores and shops latching on to the Pride yes. event and, and scrutinising, they were saying, well, actually, what do they do throughout the rest of the year to promote LGBT equality? Are they just using this as an opportunity to get more cash coming in, get more shoppers coming in? Yeah, I think that was definitely true with some of the um, retailers, uh, some of them that just changed their logo and just stuck a um, colourful flag on their logo. And I think that was just seen through. And I saw a lot of people on social media really complaining and giving a, a bit of a backlash to that. Um, but I think the other people who are actually trying to get the message out, and I think it's it's a positive thing. Um, yeah. 
Simon, what would you advise? For me, these seasonal promotions sit within a sort of a framework. And um, I think uh, I just, I think for me, retail's got to be more than that. I think it's got, I, 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 I really truly believe that the non-specificness, the ambiguity of it is very, very important. I think you need to... How do you mean? What, well, what do you mean by that? I, I, I think the problem with retail at the moment is it's very prescribed. So this idea of getting behind, you know, pride and those sort of things, it's, you know, there, there is that danger that it does become kind of, it, the, the very thing, pride becomes a, a consumable thing. You know, and I think there has to be, I think retail can exist in its own entirety, be a thing in itself in a, in a way. I mean, when I first started in the industry, product wasn't the main driver in the way stores presented themselves. It was very much they wanted to create a backdrop to, you know, to, to the product as such. It was about the idea of engaging the customer in, in a kind of a sort of, not a fantasy exercise, but sort of like a, a kind of very theatrical experience. I believe in this world we live in now, you, you have to have the unexpected. I think retailers do have to have the unexpected. They do, they do need to conjure up something that's maybe not specific, but people, they need to give the customer a space to make up the story themselves. I believe. And, um, and I think that's very, very exciting. I think, that's, I, th I think that gives a lot of uh, kind of respect to the customer as well. So you're not just feeding them the whole time, you know. Um, and I, I, th I think that's very, that, that, that's, that's the campaign that I would come up with would be probably to do with that. What it would be, I don't know. And whether anyone would want to commission it, probably not. But that's where I am with it. Mo, what, what do you make of that? Do you think um, Simon's right on that point that actually retailers have to move away from this I dare I say it, obsession with it being tagged onto a certain time of year and and try and achieve the unexpected? Um, I think probably yes and no. Um, I think the unexpected and the, the idea of something innovative as well as novel to put out there uh, for customers to actually engage with the story, I think is, is a very kind of important part of it. Um, in terms of, I suppose, the timings, um, Generally, I suppose we see we see brands needing to actually have this more sophisticated level of empathy. Um, when they when they understand their demographic and their audience, they need to understand what are their patterns, and essentially, maybe that's what kind of dictates. Tom, Chanel did a, a, a scent exhibition, which was a, a mirrored maze, um, and it was an amazing exhibition. It was over Fashion Week and Design Week. The New London had the demographic that they were trying to target over this period of time. They knew that they needed to go to somewhere like Peckham for it not to feel, um, you know, to, to actually feel like it's an authentic experience. And they absolutely pulled it off. It was an amazing experience. And it had a two-hour queue constantly. And you had fashionistas with their big fur coats, queuing up in Peckham, which was, you know, you never, you never would have seen that. Uh, but I think that's a great example of a luxury brand really going to their customer and thinking, right, I want to get them in store, but I need to go to them first to get them into stores. What do you think, Simon? But let's be clear, right? There are some very honest and sort of very functional realities. And that is like, you know, over Christmas, retailers need, probably need to get about 20% of their profits in that one uh, six-week period, you know, it's, it's you know, we, I mean, it's so these spikes, these these um, events, are key for bringing turnover in. You know, it's a way of driving sales. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's about it, they will be looking at the bottom line. Really, at the end of the day, you know, they they want to they they need they need to dr uh, drive revenue basically. So seasonal campaigns are, are very are, are important. 
whether whether it moves away from that and goes into more you know like what you're talking about which is like a, a broader platform which is like maybe fashion shows design all those sort of things i think that's probably the, the generations coming up but there is still a big generation within the retail market that, that engages in this kind of calendar so you, that, that this is probably where you get this this is probably where you get in this this kind of transitional period within retail this kind of lack of you know what what is it what is retail what what's retail going to become i mean now, it was quite interesting. I, there was a, the business of fashion. They came out with a statement that, oh, you know, that retailers actually, in the end, should be charging customers to go into their stores. And I thought that was absolutely spot on, actually. Really? Well, because I think, yeah, because, you know, you can buy online. You can, you know, often buying online is better than buying in store because you can get the size you want. You know, you go into Mark, you know, Mark Spencer's, oh, you got that in a sort of a, th- oh, you got a 32 leg, oh, because I, I take a shorter leg, you know. But, you know, you can go online, bang, bang, got it, I'll have two of those, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, what is the store? What, you know, what is the store environment? You know, what, what does it, what does it need to be in the future? And that plays to, you know, um, my over here from scene and the event side of it. And I think this is, this, this, it is about this, you know, so when I first started marketing, marketing that kind of advertising side, it wasn't in VM Windows. Then it became in the nineties, late early late mid nineties onwards, became very key. We are now going through another phase now, and online has something to do clearly to do with that. But I think it's generational as well, and what the what ticks the box of these people. That's why I think Supreme is such an interesting brand because their shop window is their line of people queuing up. I find that idea absolutely fascinating. The idea of charging shoppers to come into the store. It would take a bold retailer to try that. But I suppose... But that's what Supreme are doing. Well, they're not charging. They're allowing... They're not. They're giving tickets out and they're, they're creating a, a, a queue. And then... I'm not saying retailers do this by, by all means, but it's the idea that they're, they're bold enough. I mean, they're, they're a brand of a certain scale, so they can do this and it's within their DNA. And they're, they're so... They're so spot on on their brand. They know exactly what they want, what their customer wants. In fact, their customer has created their brand as well in many respects. That's really important, I think. The customer has to... It's, I think brands have to be a mirror to the customer's desires as well. And I suppose... And I think that, that, that's the bit that I think is the, the hard bit. That it's that transition. It's happening in all, all business and industry at the moment. I suppose doing something as revolutionary and as bold as that would help cut through on a marketing side of things as well. Because can you imagine the, the the coverage if a store on the high street started charging customers to go in? I mean, everyone would know about it, wouldn't they? But better, I'll tell you now, mate, they'd be bloody good when they go inside. <laughs> but then, yeah, I suppose, and that's why everyone knows about all these queues. And even if you go to a Louis Vuitton, say, for example, exactly. in Champs-Élysées exactly. in yeah. Paris, yeah. people are queuing yeah. and queuing. Yeah. And I'm sure if you offer them a chance to pay some money to jump the queue, they'd probably do it. Yeah. Well, they're, they're doing it with a the product. They're, they're buying it for £50, bringing it outside, uploading it on eBay, or selling it in the queue for £150, or to their mates somewhere else for £300. So it's, this, it's so fluid. I was going to say, just creating that buzz and creating that um, idea that uh, there's something going on. And I think that the all generations at the moment yeah. have that fear of missing out. And I think yeah. that is, we, we did an installation uh, for Topshop, which was a, um, a water slide going through the whole shop and people could come and ride it. But it was a queue constantly of about 35 people and people were just joining the queue, not really sure what it was for, but people just joined the queue because well, we're British. Exactly. <laughs> and we love joining <laughs> and, the queue. And, and, and that's exactly, because, you know, you, you looked at that piece and so like, well, what, you know, you try, well, what does that do? You know, I think yeah. the product, is there, is there a new jacket? What, what is it? 
No, it's just a slide. You get on it in that space and you go down there and you enjoy it and you come off with a bit of an endorphin rush. The potential is you'll, you'll love that brand. You might go and buy something, but it certainly goes. And, yeah. you know, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a really 360 degree experience. Mo, would you pay to go into a store? Um, it depends on the brand. It depends on, you know, what kind of um, experience or whether I so relate to it. Yes. But <laughs> potentially, yeah. I'm using the queuing as, as a metaphor for, for, for a bigger conceptual idea, really. I, you know, the, 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 of wanting something you can't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost making... Everything is so accessible now. I think the retail experience has got to be... It can't, maybe, maybe it can't be as accessible. It's got to be more select. I don't know. That just, there's something in that. You I know? agree with that. Uh, you know? with, just with certain particular things. Yeah, so, with, with sneakers and trainers, yeah. you know, I absolutely have a trainer's addiction. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm put my hands up. You know, I've got way too many. And, Are you one and, of these people who queues outside the Nike store that I see often on a Saturday morning? Is with, it? My, with my fishing chair and, and you're my cagoule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you that's there. me. That's you. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that is, you know, that addiction, that's a culture. Um, of you know a particular product like the Supreme guys, like mm. all of the other Nike short run, um, you know collaboration stuff. It's hard to get things that other people can't get now. So uh, I think you do need to have the uh, being able to buy uh, things easy and you know no queues in stores and things like that. But at the same time, for your brand to be differentiate and get your like super fans, you do need those exclusive things that you've got to, you know, it should be an effort to get something. I think online purchasing is a little bit junk shop and junk shopping and you like get, it's like getting a little buzz and a little endorphin, whereas going into store to get something that you've found out, you've researched, you've really done your homework and you know that there's some exclusivity in it. I think that is, you need all levels of that. I think really getting under the skin of your customer and really getting to grips about their mindset, how they're going to, how they're feeling, what stage in life they are. Um, I think, you know, getting that connection and really getting a good understanding of them and do something that's tailored to them and not necessarily just in your store, but looking at how it might expand out of store, expand online, expand across everything, I think that that's uh, really important. We saw Tesco in Baldock use it to really good effect on Valentine's Day. They had a big display on the side of their store. People could tweet in messages to their loved ones, which were then beamed up on the side of the, uh, the building. People really engaged with that. I mean, at the end of the day, we're inquisitive creatures. And I think, you know, I think you can look at all the research, all that. But at the end of the day, it's a, a pretty seminal experience when you think... I really like that. What's that all about, you know? I totally agree. Creating that excitement and creating something that's going to sort of uh, blow someone's mind as yeah. well. I think that's really important. And uh, there's an amazing installation with uh, Le Bon Marche did with Ai Weiwei um, for their January sales. They wanted to create something that was just like Instagrammable. But I think that's what we're getting asked more and more now with the installations we do with shopping centres is we don't just want a traditional Christmas installation. We want something where the... Instagram is literally littered with photos of people, um, you know, selfies integrating and and activating in the store. So I think that's where it's, it's heading. And it's interesting, you, you talk about those kinds of examples of experience in store. And we've seen that with John Lewis this summer, haven't we, with their National Treasures campaign. And that was a, a big overarching campaign. It did, you know, the, the, the usual things of you know, having a big shop windows, creatively done, 
um, a theme running throughout, but also this idea of an experience. The roof garden on their flagship store in, in Oxford Circus, I, I went a couple of times and it was this lovely little oasis in the middle of you know central London. And it felt like you were learning it through word of mouth. You know, friends were saying, oh, have you been to the roof garden? Have you been through? And that was that kind of experience. Do you think we're going to see more of that sort of thing? I think so. We, we actually produced that with uh, John Lewis. Um, and it was actually, it, it was really interesting in terms of, and I think it was quite successful in terms of the idea of taking, you know, the British summer kind of pastimes that we do and also the kind of quirky things uh, that were a bit more kind of whimsical and kind of putting them out there for people to relate to. Um, and essentially, yeah, it's actually the, the full journey that needs to be considered in terms of not just, you know, having that unexpected, having that something innovative is is kind of one part of the journey. And then it's kind of how you follow that up in terms of not just what comes after, but actually what's before in order for them to actually really create a full rounded journey. Um, and it was a big picture campaign, wasn't it? Because you had the shop windows, you had the roof garden, then there were all sorts of masterclasses, workshops and things that people could go and be part of in store that would draw them in. Yeah, I think, and, and that's and that's kind of the whole point from, you know, a, an attention point of view, you start actually your journey through the marketing. As you said, it could be from social media um, and then driven through all the way to Windows. And then in stores, when you have that opportunity to really drive that curiosity and to be able to create events, as kind of Tom mentioned, to kind of, you know, they have fun with, it's a positive experience. And then finally, kind of going away from that, you know, whether they're attached to that brand experience through social media postings or uh, word of mouth, as you said, and that's I suppose, cultural memories, that's one of the most important. Just to round off, um, from each of you, I'd just like you to share an example with us of best practice that you've seen of an in-store promotion and how that's been perhaps amplified beyond the store itself. And you thought, actually, that's a really good example and others can learn from that. Tom? Well, I'd like to say... Um, uh, our Topshop Swim campaign with uh, <laughs> um, with uh, our water slide. They had a big focus on swimwear and they came to us and said, you know, we want to elevate and get people to experience swimwear and get their mindset on, you know, uh, holidays and things like that. So we just expanded their campaign, but they had a whole social media campaign, a splash campaign, which we worked with them on, uh, and a marketing campaign. So it was a great example, and they got some great figures, loads of people in store, and a huge social media footprint. Sorry to use my uh, own company's By example. No, 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 absolutely fine. <laughs> Mo? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll probably yeah, I'll be rude not to start. It was probably one of our own, but um, we did something with Nike uh, for a women's campaign and that was um, called The Stronger You Starts Now. And it was all about kind of empowering that female figure and actually helping her not just understand more from, you know, gym or exercising, but actually more from a training perspective, which Nike wanted to really um, work on. And so not only was the kind of windows and the displays um, an ability to, I suppose, connect with her from a material perspective or from um, the display itself, but actually in store, we created a bit more curiosity that revolved around the stylist that would actually help them, you know, select from that selection of that collection um, and kind of advised them on the products and told them more about the innovation. And essentially there was also this kind of customization, personalization desk where they gave them some of the, I suppose, elements um, 
that they would use, for example, training, whether it's personalized bag and with kind of all the right nutrition, nutritional kind of elements. I think um, Journey Fortnum and Mason Christmas last year was one of the most um, incredible uh, type of displays. Um, and again, it was it was the way they actually um, they invested in the strategy and the insight rather than actually looking at it from a kind of bottom-up perspective in terms of what's Christmas. They created um, these basically these nine stories um, and it was about <laughs> together we're merrier. And so they had like the butcher and the turkey or they had um, the chef and the lobster or the bull and the china. And, and it was these really new kind of stories that spoke to their audience in a, in a manner that felt almost like, you know, some of the children's stories that you'd probably relate to Christmas. And you, you had this immediate emotional connection. It was all about kind of family, friends and foes coming together. And it was, it was bang on relevant. And it was um, just speaking to the audience in the right way, but actually emotionally connecting to them in the right way. I think for me, from a personal perspective, just myself, I'm, I'm very inspired by Supreme and how they operate as a business and how they engage the customer. You know, the fact they have the confidence to take their website down and so there's no more product left. I think that's just really inspiring. But I also think Dover Street Market, I think what Comme des Garçons do in their store, and they've done for many, many years, is, is a really cool way of presenting exclusivity, culture, creativity, and bringing together generations as well. I mean, I went there recently, and there's these young lads looking at this stuff like Gosha, and then you've got some le older lady buying a pair, of, a piece of, piece of Celine. I just love that whole sound clash of culture, design, and creativity. And I think retail does have to have that at the end of the day, regardless of how customers, their DNA or their, their Gino works. Personally, Comme des Garçons a great example. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, it's, and they're it's consistent. Just an amazing yeah. uh, store, and it, it it is, you know, the queues you get there as well. You know, when they have a sale on, is absolutely yeah. insane. Amazing. You've got a five hour queue, yeah. and people just, you know, it's it's an it's an enjoyable experience, yeah. and I think that's what retail lost for a period and I think now they're getting back and they're creating yeah. really enjoyable, exciting experiences. Okay, well, that brings us uh, to the end of the podcast. And if you're uh, a retailer, perhaps looking to uh, add some excitement or some new energy to your promotions, let's just sum up the key points there. Uh, create a great in-store experience, create an emotional connection with your customers, and help build an audience relationship with your brand through some sort of exclusivity. And having a queue for five hours, apparently, isn't a bad thing. If you want to uh, get people to connect we are British after all, and we love a queue. Uh, you've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Uh, thanks very much to my guests, Tom Philipson from Your Studio, Mo Cremat from Scene Displays, and Simon Millington from Millington Associates. I'm Ben Bland. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Retail Exchange podcast. Subscribe online at theretailexchange.co.uk and join the debate on Twitter. Hashtag Retail Exchange. This episode is brought to you by retail transformation agency Visual Thinking in association with Retail Focus magazine. Thanks for listening.